Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow again, trying to make the world a little better. This is uh, John Fisher for The Catch on Blog Talk Radio, and uh, we, uh, we're we very excited tonight uh, to have a, a special guest that I'll be introducing to you in just a few minutes, but uh, first, I will probably have to have just a moment of silence for the Los Angeles Angels, who were, as you all know, were eliminated two days ago. And uh, you all know my commitment to this team. So we'll we'll just have a moment of silence. Okay, that's enough. Now we can move on. I understand the Dodgers have just eliminated two, which makes me feel a lot better, so that uh, L.A. is completely out of the scene. If the Angels can't be there, the Dodgers, you know, can't either. So, now we'll watch Mid America go after it, and uh, I'm 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 rooting for uh, uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, one of those World Series. That's just like the old days. That would be really fun. So uh, uh, I am your host today. Gunner is uh, is not available for very good reasons. It's his wedding anniversary, and so. Uh, I gave him the night off, and that means I have to run the board and talk to you and talk to our guests, but it's really not that hard, and uh, uh, so I think I'll do okay. Um, and uh, that takes us right up then to uh, to our guest, which who I'm very excited for you to meet. Um, she is probably a new name to a lot of you because uh, she has uh, just really in some ways is beginning her career as an author. She has been in music for some time, but not necessarily, you know, in the heart of Christian music where everybody's going to necessarily hear her. And we're going to find out a little bit more about uh, kind of that that road on her career. But we're going to talk a lot today about her new book, which just came out on Amazon today. Uh, Congratulations, Stacy, And um, we will talk about that and the concept of this book, which has a lot to do with creativity, how we live our lives in in creative ways. And so I'm very, very excited about that. Um, And so please welcome with me, Stacey Frenis. Stacey, how are you today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on, John. Yeah, big day for you, I guess, huh? It is a big day. I, I have never done this before, never released a book. And so it's been just super exciting to uh, to kind of walk through the process and see it all sort of come to, uh, you know, culmination today in this, in this release. It's been very cool. Yeah. Now, you don't have the book in your hand yet, but uh, I understand it was released online today. Is that right? That's right. The uh, the online edition, the Kindle edition on Amazon is available, and then the paperback is just kind of following close on the heels of that. So um, within, within a day or two, cool. we'll be seeing the paperback. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And what is the title of the book, Stacey? The title of the book is Flourish, and then the subtitle is Cultivate Creativity, Sow Beauty, Live in Color. Oh, I like that. Cultivate creativity. So beauty, is that right? Mm-hmm. And live in color. Pretty exciting right there. Um <laughs> that, that's great. That uh that definitely makes me uh want want to read it and want to hear more about what you have to say about creativity, which we'll we'll be doing later on. But I think <clears throat> first let's um Let's just get a little familiar with you. I'd like our listeners to know 
Um, where are you from? I think you're from, have you always been in Northern California? Did you grow up there? Uh, I grew up actually in the Midwest in North Dakota, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, but ah. moved to, but moved to California, Northern California in my teenage years. So I, I really do consider Northern California my home. I'm about an hour east of San Francisco. So, um, okay. I, I'm not a big sports fan, but I was—I I think our Giants <laughs> didn't do so well, great today. Your, your, your Giants are looking pretty good right now. They—they're—they're—they're they're, they're up two to one. They could—they could win tonight and and be in. Okay. Oh, At least cool. the next. Good. The next round. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. But of course, your Oakland is probably a closer team to you. And, it is. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know how big of, an, of a of a fan you are, but um, of course, uh, Oakland kind of lost out there at the end. Kind right. of a weird turn of events because they were just cruising all year long, and then suddenly the bottom fell out. So that's the only reason the uh, Angels were able to do as well as they were at the end. So we'll see. That now it's all different, and that's baseball. But we're talking to Stacy Frenis about art and music because music was the beginning. Um, and tell us a little bit about that. Uh, how did you get started in songwriting and that whole that whole scene? Well, I think since I was a little girl, I've been a lover of of words and music. And um, when I was young, I, I used to. Uh, I used to write poems and write diary entries and, and um, write stories. Um, and then right around junior high age, um, I, I started taking piano and voice and or piano and guitar lessons because uh, the song, the poems and the diary entries I was writing started to just sort of have melodies and started to sort of come off the page and and want to be sung and I didn't have any training mm. neither of my parents were were musical so I asked my parents if, if I could piano lessons because I wanted to figure out how to make create a context for these melodies I was hearing and um, so I took lessons for a couple of years just long enough to to be able to accompany myself and create chord patterns and things like that you know that helped me put the melodies into a, a musical place and um and then yeah so right around junior high is when that that love of music and love of words kind of collided into into this new sort of gifting that I discovered I had for for writing songs and um and from that point I I sang all through high school with with friends and choirs and you know um in church and things like that. And then after I graduated from college, I recorded my first sort of demo of songs. And from there, uh, just really got bit by the bug of loving being able to share my mm. music with people and um, have been recording music ever since then. I've, I've, I think I've got eight eight or nine albums out and um, of all original music. And um, it's been It's been great. I I sort of had a, I had a day job after college because even though I loved music, uh, I had one of those talks with my dad during college where he said, you know, this music is fabulous, but how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to make a living? And um, so I became an English major in college. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, because being an English major is, you know, so easy to monetize, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I became an English major and got actually got a credential and taught English for a few years. But I mean, every weekend I was out singing at coffee houses and churches and festivals and anywhere I could, Great. I would sing on, on the weekends. And um, eventually, got to where I sort of I quit the day job and then have done music full time for the last ten years or so. Never regretted it. I loved teaching, but it was always a deeper passion of mine to actually play music and do that. Wow, that's great. So uh, when when did that start to open in terms of, you know, getting 
getting the opportunity to sing for people, getting audiences, and and uh, and, and then recording and all that. How did how did that how did that develop? You know, it, this is so funny. I right out of college, a friend of mine approached me, and he, he had heard a lot of my music during college, and um, had heard me sing and writing and things. And, and he said he was a producer. He was, you know, he had way different skill set than mine. And he said, I, I'd love to record, uh, you know, I'd love to record and, and produce an album for you and uh, of your songs and. I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, oh, okay, let's, wow. let's do that, that, that thing you say, you know. And I did it, and then, so I had this, I had a, I had a full, complete album of songs, and then I got a call from a friend of mine who was promoting some Christian shows that were coming through Northern California, and I don't know if your listeners will remember an artist named Margaret Becker. Oh, sure. Um, but Margaret Becker was coming through town on tour, and this friend of mine was promoting some shows for her and said, "You know, why don't you why don't you open for her um, on a few of her dates here on the West Coast, and let's just see what happens?" Because this friend of mine knew I had just released some, some uh-huh. songs, and so uh-huh. yeah, that was my kind of my first gig, wow. was like opening for Margaret Becker dates on the West Coast, and it was um, it was when she was pretty much drawing pretty big crowds and was doing well and so it was I mean it was pretty cool you know great and and you were um so how how old were you I was Uh, by that time I was about mid mid 20s maybe okay so you were out at this was after college this is when you got the opportunity and and uh, that's fantastic. So, uh, and 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 being with Margaret, so that started to open up, I bet, uh, opportunities yes. for you to to have your own solo, uh, your own solo ministry, right? Exactly. Yeah, it was great. It was a really good springboard, and then I began yeah, to just cool. keep keep doing that, and then um, I, I also started to make some connections in songwriting with some really good songwriters back in Nashville um, through some mutual friends. And so I started flying back to Nashville a couple times a year and mm-hmm. writing songs and um, and then pursuing uh, playing music live um, out yeah. here in California. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all started for me. Now, with your music, do we call your music Christian music? Or how does it, where does it fall into this? You know, this gets so difficult um, with the labels and all. And uh, I'm, I'm just wondering how how you approached your music. Did you did you just write as a Christian, or did you have a specific uh, you know a, a message, a, a, a spiritual message you wanted to get across? No, I, I never had a specific message I wanted to get across. I I really approached songwriting and even the release of my album as um, something that grew out of my own life. And sometimes the songs were very deeply based in my own faith, and sometimes the songs were deeply based in my relationships with other people, with friends, my husband, mm-hmm. my kids. Mm-hmm. And so um, it seems like looking back over the course of several albums, there's always been, I don't know, maybe about 50 or 60% of the songs that I would consider overtly spiritual. You know, I could sing them in a church and people would say, oh, yes, Mm -hmm. I know what she's Mm -hmm. talking about. And then Mm -hmm. the other 40% are just songs about life and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, love and loss and grief and all, all the things that we the experience as human beings that that you can't really categorize in in terms of uh, Christian or non-Christian, and so um, and I think for me, what what helped me stay free in that sense and not really constrain myself to the Christian mm-hmm. music market was that I I stayed independent. Mm-hmm. I, I my own record label. My husband and I started our own record label, and stayed true to kind of organic roots and mm-hmm. um uh we 
record the music we wanted to record, worked with the people we wanted to work with, and Great. definitely, you know, didn't feel kind of the the mandate being handed down from anywhere on high as to what we could record and what we couldn't record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was good. I'm glad I took that route, even though it was not the easiest route, you know? Well, it's probably not. Uh, it's sometimes you end up in no man's land, as they call it. Right, you know, because, right. Because you don't you don't have them any kind of marketing machinery behind you, it's just uh, it's just you and and your work and and totally grassroots, uh, right? And uh, I I think I think it's wonderful. I think it's much more real uh, mm-hmm. than you know even in the Christian market. You know, people they, they get we get marketed and. Mm-hmm. You know, people get promoted, and songs get worked on Christian radio, and 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 the, the whole marketing scheme is mapped out. And uh, um, so sometimes that's artificial. And uh, you know, I I've certainly been aware of in times in my life that okay, this is a Christian album. I I have to you know I have to have this has to be a Christian song. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Early on, we were, early on we were really into that. I mean, I, I can remember even in 1980, I had a song called uh, Christopher's Toes that was about my son's my my first child being born. Christopher knows Christopher's toes. He, mm-hmm. he just found them today, stuck in the air at the end of his chair. Ten little toes <laughs> just waiting to play. Well, it's a wonderful little song, and uh, but. You know, I, I actually got a questioned by the record company as to, well, what's the spiritual about this song? What's the Christian message here? <laughs> so, you know, it's unbelievable yeah. what, you know, what we had to all grow through. And uh, yes. but you're, you're saying you were able to pretty much avoid that. So when you're writing something spiritual, it's because you want it to be there. It's in your heart. It's a statement of faith. Is that right? That is that is right. And I, you know, there there have been times over the years that I've, like you, I've mourned the 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 fact that I don't have that big marketing machinery behind what I do. But I yeah. think more times than that, I've I've actually rejoiced at the freedom in not having those constraints. So it's. Mm-hmm. You know, so that the music that I write really does just come from my heart and my life, and and it's very real, for sure. Now, um, how how many how many albums do you have? Then have you recorded? Uh, I think it's eight, <laughs> maybe nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. That's, that that yeah that that's a healthy sign when you don't remember quite uh, how many. <laughs> is, um, is it okay? Good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, you about about eight eight or nine albums. Um, you know, obviously you have a new book coming out. Brand your first book today. There was a mm-hmm. transition there. Um, uh, I, I, we want to talk about that, but uh, I'm I'm wondering, are you still are you still doing your music, and um, are you still doing concerts, and will you still be recording? Yes, very much so. Um, this okay. book was was kind of a sidetrack for me that that felt at first it it kind of got burst out of what I thought would be sort of a parallel companion piece with my last record and um mm-hmm. and it just turned out that circumstances didn't really align to give me the kind of time and intensive focus I needed to to do the book at the same time I was doing the record a couple of years ago but yeah I, I never said to myself I'm now going to switch tracks and you know become an author with a capital A or anything like that I I just um these are this book is really a collection of insights and stories and um, part memoir, part, I don't know, um, yeah, just maybe advice or insights, that kind of thing, that sort of stories from the road, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And all of it really born out of a life of making music for the last 20 years. 
And so it's my deepest desire to keep making music for another 20, you know, if not more. Oh, great. And yeah, for sure. And um but if if I can if I can if this book is well received and if it if it feels like something that's that's um fits with where my life is right now, I mean, I would love to explore the idea of writing another one. I just don't have I'm not sure what that would be right now. Yeah, yeah. But so it sounds like music is your first and first and last love, probably. And, yeah, I do think so. Mhm. Yeah, and and so, like, uh, what? I'm just curious. Where's your next concert? Do you know? You may be, not even know that. Yeah, I'm actually I'm flying to Minneapolis this this Thursday, and so I'll be in Minneapolis for some dates this weekend. Oh, I'm great. doing a. Yeah, I'm doing a a, a a church in Wayzata, Minnesota, on Sunday. Uh-huh. I'm singing in their morning services, and then I'm singing at a, a house concert Monday night in St. Paul, Minnesota. Some friends uh-huh. who are hosting me for a house concert, which super fun. I love those. Um, and Friday night, I'm doing a really cool event called the Wildflower Gathering, which is a gathering of creative to just kind of talk about, encourage, inspire one another, and I'm going to be talking about my book and singing some some of my songs for that event. Okay. And then the following weekend I'll be in Boise, Idaho. So, yeah, I'm still definitely working working hard with music, too. Are are you ever in venues that are not necessarily Christian, like not churches or, you know, we would call secular or commercial or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. you know, summer what would festivals. be a typical example of that? Can you give us a typical example of one of those gigs? Like a summer festival type of thing. Like all throughout summer, I'll, I'll do city like oh. city festivals or citywide park. You know, those kind of things. Or um, or uh, like a coffee house slash lounge kind of thing. I'll do some of those mm-hmm. venues. Um, um, what else? Let me think. Like county fairs, that kind of thing. Yeah, yep, yep. I've yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And do you do you like that environment? You know, festivals and fairs are kind of challenging in that they they just there's a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, you're setting up seven hours before you actually go on, and you're and you're <laughs> kind of like the eighth act in a two hours time slot. It gets kind of crazy, but. Um, my, I think in recent years especially, I've loved more acoustic venues. Like, I'm loving house concerts right now because they're such a really oh, cool opportunity to connect with um, with people more intimately. And and with my music, I mean, I travel, I do travel and play out with a band, but um, more often than not, it's just me and an acoustic guitar. And it's, it's the whole being able to kind of tell the stories behind the songs and, and really share your heart with people. So those are a blast. I'm loving those. Um, That's great. That's great. I'm, yeah. I've understood, yeah, those are, the house concerts are becoming more and more popular, aren't they? Seems to they me. They really are. Yeah. And, and I think what's really precipitating that is the fact that, you know, um, more and more independent musicians are, are looking for creative ways to share their music outside of the, the huge sort of ah. marketing machinery, yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's great. I think, I, like I know of several artists that have been on labels, the big labels in the past, that are now coming back to their own publishing companies, their own labels, and they're doing quite a bit of um, of house concerts as a really steady diet of their gigs, you know. That's great. Tell me, what, what do you like about what do you like about the house concert? I like that um I like that there isn't a real like separation of like stage and audience, you know, or performer and audience. It's kind of like we're gathered in the home of a mutual friend usually. Um and in that in that kind of setting there there isn't a lot of um I don't think there's a, that big. I'm going mm. to do my best to relate to you tonight because you know, uh, you know like when I'm on stage, it's, it's kind of like I'm, I'm doing my best to 
embrace people and envelop them and say, look, no, we're really in this together, but I'm just up here on this stage with the lights. And, but in, in someone's living room, you know, I've got my guitar and I'm just sharing my life and, and these songs that have grown out of these places and seasons of my life. And in the same way that maybe the hostess has put out some really great appetizers or something, it's like that's her gift, that's what she's mm-hmm. sharing with her friends. And I'm sharing, I'm sharing something different, but equally beneficial and joyful and wonderful, you know, as what other people are kind of bringing to the table. And it's, um, I don't know, it just feels more democratic and more um, relational than a performance. Mm-hmm. Wow. That that uh, that sounds wonderful. And, and do the people seem to uh, seem to enjoy it that way? They really do. A lot of people at first aren't familiar with the format and they feel kind of awkward like sitting three mm-hmm. feet away from a, the performer, you know? <laughs> 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 but, you know, I always tell them, don't worry, I'm not going to grab you and bring you up on up on stage or spit on you when I sing or anything. <laughs> 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 and it's just really fun. And by the end of the evening, I mean, and here's what's cool, John, about it, which I know you would understand as a performer, is that at the end of the evening, you know, you've made more than a fan. You've made a friend of, of, of everyone in that room. I mean, if you've if you've if you've done well. I mean, if you if you've really been mm-hmm. genuine and you've done done a good job at your craft. I mean, you've made friends that stay your friends and your fans for life. And um, it's a it's a great connection. Wow. So, and what's a typical what's a typical kind of thing that someone would say to you after? one of those concerts? Well, they'd say, a lot of people say, um, thank you for coming tonight and just and being so open about your own life and about, you know, thank you for um, relating to us through your music so much of your life. And um, wow. a lot of the times people are just kind of at that, like they're surprised that communication can happen in a song, you know, um, and that they can find themselves in in some of the places and the stories that I tell. They find mm-hmm. themselves in those stories and go, "Wow, I I had that same thing happen to me." And here she is talking about it and singing a song about it. And I think, like, isn't that like what's so cool about art is that it um, it makes us feel not alone, you know. Mm. Mm. Talk, can you talk about that a little bit more? Um, just h- about that whole process of of uh, not not uh, of that connection that happens there and of not being alone. Yeah, I. You know, I think growing up as a kid, I, I was a voracious reader. I I read all the time, and I was also, I mean, no surprise, I was a huge fan of music, and and so. But I'm also kind of a film buff. I love movies. Um, uh, I love I love going through a museum and, and walking past the paintings and stopping and, and really looking at a painting. Um, so, you know, all these different art forms that exist for us to experience. Um, in my life, it's been my experience that, you know, the best books I've read or the best films I've seen or the best, I don't know, paintings I've experienced or whatever have made me feel completely understood. Like someone has just opened up the dark room in my soul and has, you know, shined a light in there and um, has made a way to express it that's beautiful and that's different and that's clear mm. and articulate. And, I, and I've seen mm. myself in that and gone like, wow, I never knew someone else felt that way. And, 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 or thought that way and could say it like that. And um, I really think that's the power of, of, mm. of what art can do in our lives. Wow. When somebody opens up a dark spot in your soul and shines a light in there, can you talk about that just a little bit more, what that, what that does for yeah. you? Yeah. You know, I feel like maybe I experienced it most in, in a great book. Um, someone who someone who writes so well and um, ha- can articulate just the, the 
really almost unspeakable depth of what we experience when we're joyful or when we're grieving or when we're scared or awkward. And, you know, someone articulates that in in a movie scene or articulates that in a passage of a book or a poem or a song. Oh, my goodness, a song. Mm. And suddenly you just feel like, ah, that thing I have felt, that thing that they're describing no longer feels like just my own. It no longer feels like this little deep secret that I can't even articulate. It now feels like something we have shared together, the art maker and mm. me. And wow, what an, what an empowering thing that is. And comforting, too, to know that we're not alone mm. in those experiences. Wow. I think we might be have just kind of gradually moved into um, talking about your book, haven't we? It sounds a little bit like, um, because I know you talk about the creative process in your book. Is that right? I, I do. Yeah, I really do. Can, can you, I know this is, I'm going to give you just this really awful broad question, but I, I know you're going to have something where to go here. You know, what, what, what is creativity? How would you define it? Um. I think creativity, you know, no, no matter what your medium, is this longing we all have to be, to contribute, to contribute something meaningful to to make something and then to sit back and call it good. And mm. I think that it it harkens to kind of our DNA, you know, from the creator himself. I mean, we're, Genesis one twenty seven says we're created in the image of God. And um, the first thing we see God doing in Genesis, the whole first chapter is this beautiful drama unfolding of, of creation. And and him sitting back and calling each thing he does good, like he's just—he's joyful in it. He's—he's he's able to even when he rests from it, he's able to see the good in it. And um, I—I I can't help but think that each of us has that same kindred desire to create and to call it good and to to contribute beauty to the world around us. Um, wow! Whatever that looks like. Hmm. That that could be probably arranging flowers or um, uh, how you do your room or mm-hmm. uh, how you dress. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it can. Is this is this a creativity that that anybody can access? I think so. I I think that there are. Um, I think a lot of us have this way of compartmentalizing creativity. And we say, oh, that, that's a hobby. You know, I take a class on, I take a knitting class on Tuesday nights, and that's where I compartmentalize my creativity. Or uh, I take a cooking class or a dance class, or I um, I serve on Sunday mornings and I bake, uh, you know, I bake for the worship team or something. I mean, we have all these sort of places where we, you know, exhibit our gifts, but but you know, I just I think that really true creativity isn't just a hobby, and it isn't it isn't really a clock punching kind of thing. It's more of and it's, it's not even really always a, a career path, although it, it can be for for some of us. But I think it's more of a soul path. It's those places we find our deepest joy. It's those things we do that make us feel purposeful, that make us feel as though we've contributed something of ourselves to the world and to the lives of the people we love. And wow, I mean, that can have so many different um, faces and shapes and textures. And um, and it, wow. I think, you know, I don't think we even, m- many of us are, are, are really multifaceted and, and don't have labels for our creativity and for the creative areas that we, that we walk in, you know. But what, what I'm hoping to kind of accomplish with my book is to is 
to have us awaken to those areas in our lives and then to really nurture them with more discipline, with more passion, with more um, mm. just uh, focus, if you will, you know? Well, so in other words, our life, we we can each live our life more creatively. Would you say, is that is that true? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And and what would be the results of that if we could if we could live more creatively? What what why would we want to do that? Here here's my take on it. I you know I look at a I look at the parable of the talents, which is a, a commonly told story in scripture where Jesus is talking to uh, you know talking about the kingdom of heaven and he's using this storytelling manner that he does and he, he tells a story of a, of a landowner who is going to go away for a long time and when he leaves he calls three servants to him and he gives them each talent to one servant he gives ten talents to another he gives five and to another he gives one and we don't know what a talent is necessarily but we know that it's a it's not how we think of talent it's some kind of monetary value it's, it's coinage you know mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he puts it in their hand, and uh, and then, as the story goes, uh, two of the servants invest the talent and double double the return uh, when the master comes back. And the one servant actually buries it in the ground out of out of fear that the master is harsh and that he takes what doesn't belong to him. He buries it, and then when the master returns, he says, "Well, here's what you gave me. Here's the one single talent you gave me." Uh, and, you know, the master chastises the servant who buries it, and he rewards the servant who really invests well. And how he rewards them is he gives them, first of all, he gives them more. He says, he says, he puts more in their hands. And then he also says, enter into the joy of my kingdom. Um, and he, the one who buries his talent is, is, uh, banished from the farm, the kingdom, the estate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what I gather from that story is that is that the master is uh the master is is a is a symbol of, of God, Jesus, and um and the servants are, are us. And each of us has been given something with which to do business in the kingdom. Some unique talents, gifts, opportunities mm. that relate to our personalities that relate to our strengths and weaknesses that relate to our aesthetic, um, and so we have this, you know we have these talents these, these these opportunities these things in our hands, and when we invest them when we go out and actually you know risk and sell and buy and barter and however you want to call what the servants did what does it mean to kind of invest yourself into your life mm-hmm. it means to take a risk it means to pour yourself out into the opportunities that that God places before you. And so hmm. when you do that, you have you have this twofold thing happening. You, first of all, you have more opportunities present themselves because as you're being faithful to invest in everything that you you know that you're seeing in front of you, that creates more opportunities for your gift. And then secondly, this thing enter into the joy. You know, I, I think that, that what God is saying and what I think what happens to a life that is fully uh, alive to their own gifts and really investing, is that there's just this deep sense of meaning and joy and kind of oneness with God of like, you know, we're co-workers in this field. We are working together to achieve um, what what God wants to achieve in our lives mm. and the lives of the people we love. And um, I love that. It's almost like, you know, in that story, the servants get a promotion. They They move from servants to sort of Co co-workers with the master in this mm. scenario, and wow, I mean, what an incredible reward for us to look at as we as we invest ourselves, as we invest our talents and whatever it is that God's put in our hands, and we invest it well and diligently, mm-hmm. and um, and so I think a life that that does that is a life that that begins to really flourish in those kind of areas. The areas of more opportunity for your gifts. 
as well as just as well as joy, like deep personal joy that you are where you need to be and that you are doing what you're designed to do. Wow. That is fantastic. I made notes. <laughs> I I can I I can use that one. I love that idea of more opportunity. When you invest your talent, you create more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um you know, for that that little bit of information right there and I I um in our last few minutes together, I I want to talk a little bit about um how some of this I think kind of opens up for us this whole idea of creativity i i noticed uh on your site for instance i pulled up a couple phrases i'd like i'd love to hear you talk about um this one uh this one i i liked right away it says we don't lack for material um talk about that we don't lack for material talk about that well i guess you could the way i think of it as is that um Man, kind of twofold. You know, the world around us and the world inside us. I mean, those are two rich, um, you know, those are two areas that are rich with material for creating. Um, The world around us, I mean, I'll just give you a short story example. My band and I were up in the mountains at at a church, and we were spending the night at a host home, which was had this beautiful porch. It was up in the mountains, and it, it wrapped around the house. And we sat outside on this porch, and it was dark out. And we looked up in the sky, and because we were far away from the city, there were no there was no light pollution around the area. So when we looked up in the sky, we just saw billions and billions of stars. I mean, it just looked like a like someone had thrown a fistful of glitter into a velvet sky. And we sat there mm. with our heads back and we saw probably a dozen shooting stars in about a half hour and then just shooting mm. stars everywhere. And and we were like, wow, you know, like if we were back home in San Francisco, there's no way we would be seeing this because mm. it, there's just too much distraction going on. But 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 what I realized that night is that taking the time to be quiet, to be distraction free and to look to just look at that sky for 20 minutes without distraction, without physical distraction. Mm-hmm. It's like it afforded me this glorious display of activity that God, you know, I mean, the heavens, the God, were, it was like this pageant of light above me. And, I mean, if, you know, if I were, I ended up walking away from that experience and writing a song called Meteor Shower about the ways that, God moves that we sometimes don't see, but he's there. He's been working. And and I think, you know, if I were a painter, if I were Van Gogh, I would have painted that sky that night. If I were a math mm. teacher, I might have come up with a lesson plan for the distance between stars. And, if, you know, if I were a storyteller or a children's book writer, I might have written a story and given the stars names and personalities and given them a family. And if I were, huh. you know what I mean? Like, there's the material, Wonderful. right? And mm-hmm. what we do with it is sort of how we, that's sort of our filter. You know, that's where our creativity comes in. It's how we all perceive mm-hmm. what just happened mm-hmm. and then what we do with it. How can we, how can, so we, what you're saying is that it's levels. It's it's levels in which we can, I mean, this is going on all the time, everywhere. Yeah, it's paying attention, uh, yeah. Paying attention. How can, how can we somehow train ourselves to do that more often to take advantage or just to be more aware of what happens day to day? Are there well, things we can do somehow? Yeah, I do. I, I think I think walk away from your smartphone, walk away from your computer, walk away from your television set, um, interact with the people in your life more. I, I think that I've gotten, and John, probably you too, I've gotten so many song ideas from great conversations with people that, mm. like the you know the one we're having right now, that just stirs up those deep ideas and thoughts and inspiration that, I mean, you can't do that in 140 characters on Twitter, you know. You can't have those kinds of deep conversations like we're having and, um I think we really have to be very um, mindful about walking mm. away from our technology for a while. Uh, 
to certain parts of the day and for really interacting with our children and interacting with our friends, with our parents. Um, yeah. And also I think, uh, and it may sound sort of trite and uh, overdone, but, man, just, just experiencing creation. I mean, I spent a week at the beach last mm-hmm. week, and, and and I can't even tell you how not bored I was sitting four hours in front of the ocean <laughs> And I thought, well, mm-hmm. there's nothing to do but stare at the ocean. But wow, what what an experience that was, and what a full! Mm-hmm. I walked away from that feeling full. How did that happen? Mm. I don't know. I opened well, up to it, uh-huh. I guess. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I told you when we talked before. My definition of of an artist is one who stays a little longer. And uh, I really yeah. think that's exactly what you're. That's what you're painting here. You're um, staying longer with whatever it is that we have in front of us in order to see something deeper, in order to see something that you don't see on the surface, that you're not going to see just by walking by. Um, Yeah. I mean, here's the classic is, the classic example of this, I I think, that happens to me every day, is you drive around your neighborhood, you get in the car and you drive, and, and you go through you know, the four blocks by your house and then you finally you're on the main street and off you go. Well, mm-hmm. what what happens when you walk those four blocks instead and suddenly you see things you had no idea were there? No idea because mm-hmm. you just flew past them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it, it's, it, it, that, it's like that, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Give me a chance to look deeper and to notice. Uh, and well, and then I think too that the and then kind of the, the the job of the artist, if you will, is to when you see that thing that looks deeper, that looks different, is to then show that to others. Um, mm. You know, like uh, I forget who it was. Someone said um, it's our job as artists to. Um, to wonder at something that no one is wondering at yet and then invite others to wonder with us. And mm. I, I love that because it's like what you're saying is to stay longer and then you're kind of inviting mm-hmm. others in on that experience of staying longer, you know? Yeah. If you can paint that, paint what you see, you can you can write mm-hmm. a book about it or you can write a poem about it or a song or you can tell a story about it or maybe you can take your picture, take a picture of it with your camera mm-hmm. and develop mm-hmm. that. Say, look, look, this was in our neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it, there's so many different ways in which we can access, like you say, the the, the material that where there's no lack for material. There's just there's just lack for attention. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is great. Well uh, where our time is about up, I, I want to be sure and give everybody an opportunity to access your music and your and your and your book. How do, how do we find your music? Let's start there. Sure, um, music you could find it at my website, which is just stacyfrenis.com, and you can also find my music on iTunes or Amazon or pretty much anywhere online where music is sold, and. The book just went live on Amazon today. It's called Flourish. Um, and so you should be able to search that and find it. And, and then within the next few days, it'll be it'll be popping up, you know, on Barnes & Noble and Apple, iBooks, and all those places where, where books are sold as well. Cool. Cool. Would you? Yeah. Okay, everybody, you get that? It was uh, Stacy Prentice. That's S-T-A-C-I. F is in Frank. R E N E S dot com. Stacy dot com for her music. Uh you can find her on iTunes and uh and then all the other places where you find books online you can find Flourish. I love your yes. title. Uh give us a subtitle one more time. Cultivate creativity, so beauty, live in color. Cultivate creativity, sow beauty, live in color. 
Yeah. That's great. My my wife and I talk a lot about this because uh, she says, you know, we have there's truth and beauty, truth, uh, two sides of the same coin. Mm. And uh, I think I think in you know in Christian things we have a whole lot of truth. We we just focus on it all the time, and we we you know we. We get in there and we dissect the scripture and we get down to the Greek word and exactly what it means and we illustrate it and we try to, you know, uh, show how the way it looks in our life. That's all true, but you know, we're I think we're a little weak on beauty. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Be- yeah. And beauty. You know what? Is- yeah. I was going to say, standing in front of that ocean, that beach last week, it's like. I, w- I witnessed all these fabulous sunsets. I mean, just breathtaking beauty. And, and, you know, we're weak on beauty, but creation is not weak on beauty. Like, clearly, and as, as human beings, the fact that we respond to beauty and the fact that we are in awe of it and that it brings us such pleasure, I mean, that's a, that's a sign that we're meant to create it yeah. as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, I always like, I even like the way I like the way Jesus express, expresses himself. He uses all kinds of, you know, well, you're the English major, all kinds of literary uh, techniques, doesn't he? I mean, he uses simile yeah. and and uh, metaphor. He even uses sarcasm, uh, red herring, <laughs> yes. you know. He yep. does everything yep. with the Pharisees. Boy, he, he used, you know, hyperbole, yes. overstated stuff. Yep. I mean, and so he, it's not, you know, we are so literal. Right, and, uh, as as Christians, and we've got to get 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 over that, and yeah, and, and look at Jesus. Jesus used the language, and he embellished it. He, you know, he 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 flourished in in the language. I think even more than Paul or any of the other writers did. Jesus Jesus hmm. was incredible, I think, and I think that's because he showed us that that the, the blend of truth and beauty that. That they they both are there and they're both important. So I love that. uh, that's great. Yes. So so folks, let's let's try and get more beauty into our lives. And uh, one of the ways we can do that is um, by looking up uh, Stacy Frenis' music and and especially her book. I'm really anxious to get it myself. Flourish. Um, see if I can remember now. Now um, uh, cultivate creativity. So beauty and ah, something live. in color. Live in color. I, I love that. Yes. And and you know what that's <laughs> saying to me, our creativity is also I notice what you do you're taking words there and you're putting them just a little bit differently than we've heard them before. You know? mm. And to me that that's what creativity is. You know, when God creates, he created out of nothing. And we don't we can't do that. But we can take what has been created and we can put yeah. it in new ways, new ways, put things up together against uh, that we've never seen before. And, yeah. and thank you for doing thank you for doing that for us tonight. And uh it's been wonderful having you on the show. And uh, I hope we you. can I hope we can you're welcome and I hope we can do this again sometime. Okay. Me too, John. Sounds great. Thank you. Okay, and congratulations on your book uh, coming out. Thanks. And uh, we're, 